Uh, welcome to another episode of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. Uh, my guest today is Jeff Mendelson, who, uh, after getting fired from his last job back in all the way back in 2009, uh, decided to go it alone and founded a full-service digital marketing marketing agency called Effectivo.social, uh, where he helps entrepreneurs conceptualize, develop, and execute digital marketing strategies, sales funnels, paid campaigns, and very much more. Um, he started to build his his company employing a worldwide network of freelancers, bloggers, web designers, and project managers, which is all super relevant in our, in our current climate. Uh, and so he's here today to share his story of how he's designed his own lifestyle. So Jeff, a very warm welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. So um, as I mentioned in the intro, let's take go back to where you were prior to being released from your old role and venturing off into the world of uh, setting up and doing business for yourself? So interestingly enough, I started my company uh, while I was still working. Oh, wait, right. Excellent. Yeah. So I was always, I don't know, blessed, cursed, however you want to put it with um, jobs that would never really challenge me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would go into, I would basically show up in the office nine, nine 30 I would get everything that I needed to get done by about 11, 30, 12. And I'm like, great. Now, you know, now what do I do? Right. Because you know, you can't, you can't go home. You can't uh, you know, there's only so much, uh, you know, the cigarette smokers, they have to go stand yeah. outside. You, only so much of that you can do. So here I am sitting in front of the computer, like now what? Right. My, my impetus for this was to, uh, you know, I was like, that's it. I got, I have to do something for myself. And just like everyone else in the state of Florida, and it's a true fact, one out of every eight citizens in the state of Florida has a real estate license, a license to sell real estate here. So I was like, great, wow, I'll join them. <laughs> yeah. One out of eight right now, you know, 5% of those people are actually players in the industry. Right. But you know, everyone goes out and thinks, Oh yeah, I can go sell, you know, real estate and, you know, just do it from there. And it's great. So I decided to do that too. And, um, making that part of the story really short, I sucked really bad at it. And what happened was as I was trying to build up my business as the real estate, as a mortgage broker, I, I was like, uh, I make a website, right? So I ended up teaching myself how to you know, do HTML. I landed on content management systems like Joomla and WordPress. And I'm like, okay, yeah, so let's go and make a website. Turns out I spent three months making a website instead of actually going out and trying to sell you know, uh, actual houses. <laughs> and you know until finally someone you know gave me a you know a slap in the back of the head and it's like listen man this isn't for you uh, obviously and why don't you go to the more technical stuff the stuff that it seems that you really enjoy which is you know the website stuff and and it made sense you know I was glad that he, I was glad that he did it and what happened was i soon after found one client that was uh basically just needed my help right and i was a and I was able to put together this, uh, you know, this retainer for her where I would be the person fixing all her websites. She had like 50 websites at the time. You know, she was another digital marketer and you know, all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, no way, you know, like I, you know, I'm making all this extra money and I was able to do it during my nine to five, you know, because nobody really, you know, at my level, nobody's really checking me to see what it is I'm doing or how I'm doing it. Right. They were just happy that all my tickets were closed and all my, you know, all my calls were done and, and you know, showing your proposals face. Were out. Yeah. I was showing my face and you know, it's like nobody cared. Right. So if anyone was to walk by my desk, they would just see Jeff going, you know, just on the keyboard. Right. But I was building my own business at the time and it's, it was really nice, right? It was like, wait a second, if I can do this, you know, for one person, I could do this for, you know, for other people. And then I started running into, you know, uh, the limits of my technical abilities, right? Like I know how to program, but I'm not good at it. Like it mm -hmm. takes me a long time to program. So, you know, I was like, you know, at the time of Elance, which now became Upwork and I would just be like, okay, you know, if I can hire a guy for a hundred dollars and I'm charging a thousand dollars for this, you know, it's, uh, you know, and I can just manage the communication or the process. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And 
I did. And it was like, it was great, you know, because I had this, you know, I had this one Indian programmer that I, uh, you know, that I was able to vet and, you know, he still works with me to this day. Right. Oh, really? And yeah. And the cool thing about it is that, you know, it's, it, it um, I was always like, I already knew how to put together those kind of projects. I knew how to write out specifications, which is actually, in my opinion, it's a lost art, right? Because you need to write out, you know, you need to tell a programmer, you need to tell a graphics designer, you need to tell people what it is that you want. You can't just say, oh, go build me an app that's going to make me money. You know, that yeah. doesn't work, right? It is, that's so the, you, I think that's a, the challenge a bit, isn't it, right? When you're outsourcing is the brief is everything. The brief is everything. Yeah. So what happens is that if you don't do a brief enough, right, you're going to get a crap product back. And it's just as simple as that. And um, I got really good at writing these briefs or writing these specifications. I want this here, this here, that there. And I wanted to do this. And this is how I want the administration screen to be and, you know, all that stuff. And it worked, you know, it was a, it was a very good, uh, it was a very good relationship. I even started taking clients off of Elance. Right. And, you know, like every once in a while, you know, of course I'm competing with, you know, with all the other, you know, like uh, programmers all, all, all around the world. But at the same time, you know, there was, you know, there were a lot of people that were, let's just call it prejudiced, right. That wanted to work with Americans located in the United States. Right. So I would, you know, pick up that slack because I was able to prove that I'm located in Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I'm able to prove that I speak English. Okay. I was, you know, and it doesn't matter that I have a team of people behind me, no. you know, that are doing it. So I, you know, I put together like a small, like a small cottage, uh, uh, I, um, job of just, you know, cranking out websites that way, you know, just me and this, just me and this partner. And what would happen was I wanted more, you know, because Websites are nice, you know, like, a, you, you know, putting together a web presence for a company is nice, but mm -hmm. to do it in the absence of everything else that is needed to make it successful, you know, that's where it's like, you know, the, 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 the real money is in the marketing right? Because then you can charge a, then you can charge a retainer for, you know, creating content, for writing the social, for running the paid ads, things like that. When you create a website, yeah, you can get a little bit on, you know, website maintenance and things like that. And there, you know, there are ways that you can, you know, squeeze a little bit more, more money out of that. But the, the real, the real business comes in the promoting of the websites because the days of build it and they will come is long gone. Too competitive right? now, right? Um, competitive. Yeah. I mean, to drive the traffic, listen, you know, if it, yeah, to drive the traffic and, you know, like to make sure that you understand the industry, you know, it's like, I'm not going to be competitive with everybody. Right? right. And it's, you know, it is something that business owners need, right? They need traffic to their website. You know, the point now, um, you know, I just illustrated it to my kids this weekend. You know, we, um, we got in a car and, you know, the kids wanted sushi. I'm like, all right, find a sushi place that we haven't tried before. Right. So what do they do? They, you know, they go to Google sushi restaurants, you know, Google maps, and they're like, oh, there's one, two miles up, right. You know, two miles up on us one. So great. You know, like, you know, let's go there, but on the way up, right. We passed two others, right. Mm -hmm. Two other sushi restaurants. And, you know, so I asked them, I'm like, didn't that restaurant appear on your list? I mean, we were closer to it. You know, she checks again. She's like, nope, it's not on the list. I'm like, well, guess what? They lost our business. Yeah. You know, and that was just such a poignant um, example of if you're not online in some way, shape, or form, you miss out, right? It, I mean, it's as simple as that. And what happens is that, uh, you know, the, even these small, you know, the smallest types of businesses, dog rumors, sushi restaurants, you know, all these things, like you need to be there and you need to somehow have some kind of presence in order to in order to be able to play, you know, to play the game. And if you're not there, then, well, you're going to have a harder, a harder time bringing in people. It's not enough that you opened a restaurant on a busy street and put the neon sign up and all that. You still need to show up on these searches, right? And that I think is the biggest part of, you know, why this whole industry is so interesting, right? Is because, you know, you can do, you can do the same thing for doctors. You could do it, you know, do it for any local business, right? You could pull any name out of a hat and I can illustrate that for you time and time again. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so how long were you then running 
uh, that alongside the other role. Um, I, really. I managed to pull that off for like three or four years. Oh, wow. And what was funny, yeah, what was funny was <laughs> that. It, not side hustle for three months, is it? <laughs> no, it wasn't a side hustle for, th- no, this was like, you, you, you know, also keep in mind, I would come home, you know, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'd come home, change the baby's diapers and, you know, and, you know, do husband things and, you know, things like that. But then I would go back on the computer and, you know, sometimes I would be up until one, two in the morning, you know, working on this hustle. Right. So I was blessed that I was able to do some things, if not most things during the day. Right. But at the same time, you know, you do need to put, you know, a lot of extra a lot of extra effort into this. And, you know, it's like, thank God for the internet that now we have all these devices that we can connect with, you know, and things like, you know, it's funny. I, I, I mentioned in the pre-call about, um, you know, like, like over, uh, over here, at least uh, you can't smoke in your offices, right? You have to go outside. So, you know, it's like the smokers would always get up, you know, every 45 minutes to go have a, you know, to go have a smoke outside. I don't smoke, but I would get up and join them and then do my sales calls you know, on the cell phone. Right. And so it looks like I'm smoking, but you know, not really. And, you know, I was kind of able to do that. Right. It was, you know, I didn't feel too bad about it as long as it didn't really interfere with the, you know, with the business that I was, you know, that I was supposed to be supporting, you know, and I learned a lot, you know, I I learned a lot about, I learned a lot about multitasking. I learned a lot about, uh, you know, project management and being able to keep myself on time, you know, the tasks that need to happen, you know, because each one of these projects has a million and one different tasks that need to be managed. So, you know, it very much was like a crash course. And what would happen was I would get these awards at work, right? They, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they have this company meeting and Jeff's the most productive employee of the month. And I'm just rolling my eyes thinking like, what the hell's wrong with you people? Like seriously, what's everyone else doing? If you're right, yeah. What what is everyone else doing here, right? And it's like, um, okay, you know, thank you very much. You know, maybe get a you know a you know a free lunch or something. But you know, it's like, uh, okay, you know. But what happened in the end was that, um, you know, I went through a period of layoffs. Right, I got laid off from one job, then I got hired by another one, and then I'd last there a year, and then I get laid off over there. And it's like. You know, each time the layout, the layoff stung less, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the, you know, the last time I got fired, you know, yeah, I was really, I was really nervous because I'm like, great, now I have a Starbucks habit, you know, a five dollar a day Starbucks habit, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay your mortgage somehow, you gotta pay, you know, all these things. Like, the hell am I support this, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, by that time, I had enough business where. I could support it. And that, that was 11 and a half years ago. And I think that, um, you know, now I'm probably just certified unemployable at this point because I haven't had the, um, had the want or the need to try to go back into a corporate job. And I think, you know, the most important part of that, and, uh, you know, this friend of mine was, you know, he, he explained this to me really smart because I would take my, um, I would send my resume everywhere, right? I would send my CV to you know, absolutely everywhere. And I had a very hard time getting a response, right? But if I was to send out my proposal to a company that needed my services, I was able to close eight out of 10 of those, you know, eight out of 10 of those jobs. And what would happen is um, I was talking to the decision makers, whereas when you're sending a CV and you're, you know, you're sending to HR person who then reads it, who then scans it and, you know, does whatever to it. Right. It doesn't necessarily reach the decision maker, you know, like right away. Mm -hmm. And the biggest lesson I learned there was that it's much easier and it's much more diversified, you know, both in, you know, in financial considerations and in, you know, your work to have 20, 30, 40 bosses, right. You know, having different types of doing different types of work that I'm doing for them, Mm -hmm. as opposed to having one boss, you know, in one job where if you get fired, then all of a sudden your entire livelihood is put at risk. Right. And so, I think that's something I've talked to a lot, a lot of people about is, you know, there's this brainwashing that having a job is the safe option, but most times, it's, oh no, it's, what, you it's know, you've got one source of income and it's, you're completely at the mercy of, I've, you know, I've been made, I've been made redundant, laid off the same way as you have. Nearly everybody I know has at some point or knows somebody who has. That doesn't sound all that safe to me. Um, it's not. And you know what happens is that now, like today, even if I lose my biggest client today, 
it'll sting, but it won't kill, mm. right? Like, you know, maybe I'll have to cut back on something, right? But I won't have to, you know, I won't go into this panic mode or start to collect unemployment or, you know, uh, like all these other like really scary options that, uh, you know, that prop up when from one day to the next, you are just completely, you are just completely out of work, right? Yeah. Because you have the, all this other stuff going on. And, you, you, you know, when I mentioned these 20, 30, 40 clients, it's not that I'm doing the same thing for each of them. I mean, uh, part of my business is just website hosting, right? Web, website hosting is easy. Charge $10, $20, $50 a month for it. And, you know, you can tack on, a, a, you know, a little bit more of value-added services. But that's really it. Like these, you know, some of these clients I haven't talked to in months, some of them even years, right? Mm -hmm. Simply. As I'm hosting their website, they don't require anything else from me. You know, every once in a while, every once in a while, I'll check in, right? But at the same time, it's like I'm providing a sticky service to them, and as long as their, as long as their credit card still processes at the end of the month, you know, like it's all good. Is that so, is that are they websites that you've, you've built? Your, your yes, they are. So one of the things I noticed very early on is that when I'm trying to build a website on a server that's not mine, that I'm not the root admin on, it, you just run into these little, you know, restrictions or gotchas or, you know, things like that. It made it, it made it kind of hard. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a web administrator, right? I mean, I know I'm dangerous enough in Linux to, you know, run a few commands, delete a few files, but, you know, I'm not a Linux administrator, right? But, you know, if you partner with the right web hosting company that has good enough support that's able to support you with the balance of the questions that I'm not qualified to answer, then it becomes a beautiful thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because for the most part, you know, if, this, if their website is set up correctly, you know, has a safe password, uh, you know, WordPress is updated on a regular basis, these things just run, right? And okay, fine, you know, every once in a while something will get hacked or something will go south. And well, that's what they pay you for. Right. You know, that's so if you can if you can fill a uh, if, if you can fill a retainer into that or you can full or you can charge more for the hosting in lieu of the retainer, then, you know, it's just it's more incremental money coming in. So, for example, on one of my websites, like I don't even advertise that I do website hosting, but I won't take a new website hosting project unless I am hosting the site simply because it's a lot easier for me to do it than to set it up on a, on a $10 a month GoDaddy or a Bluehost account, for example. How do you go about finding your own hosting? You know, uh, I would say biggest ones out there, you know, let's just take the biggest ones in the US like uh, Bluehost, uh, HostGator and GoDaddy, right? All of them have, you know, you may think that, um, you know, you're saving money by paying, you know, the $5 a month for their basic hosting plan. And that's probably enough for some kind of hobbyist, right? Mm -hmm. But um, when you really need uh, when you really need access, you know, like root access to the server to be able to change things, upgrade things, etc. You know, those servers are you know they're anywhere from fifty to one hundred dollars a month. Mm -hmm. What I did was that I had a number of clients that had me set up a number of these accounts across different uh, across different platforms, and then when things would go south, right, I would call their you know customer service and see how well you know how well the uh, their customer service and their support teams perform. Some don't even answer the phone. Mm -hmm. Others take two days to answer the emails. And I landed on one, it's called Liquid Web, that um, the person that answers the phone call at 2.30 in the morning knows more about, knows far and beyond more, more about this stuff than I do. And it usually has been able to help me resolve these issues when these servers go down. So I was just like, okay, great. I'm going to move everything over there. What it is, is that it's a little bit of trial and error. Right. It's a little bit of, um, you know, finding which host and, you know, which, which uh, modality, if you will, works for you. But once I found the right ones, like I will, you know, do everything in my power to maintain that relationship because that relationship, that relationship is gold. They know my servers. I, you know, I know how they work. You know, I even gotten to know some of the text. So I know like if I'm talking to, you know, like the other Jeff on the line, he knows exactly what, it, you know, what's going on. I just, you know, it's a good feeling because you know, you have good partners around you that are, you know, that are supporting you on this. It's key, isn't it? And, it and is. so with what, what industry were you working in 
prior to doing this and what kind of a transition of skill so, has it been? Um, so I've always been um, either on the sales or technical sales side of telephony applications and credit card payment processing, right? So think uh, VoIP lines, think um, credit card payment processors for, you know, for websites before e-commerce really took off. So I was already in the, in the tech field. I, I was already very good at speaking, uh, you know, translating tech to corporate speak, right? So I would be the technical sales guy who would go with the salesperson, you know, to close deals, things like that. And it was really good training. It really fit my, uh, it really fit my personality nicely. Mm -hmm. Right. But, um, uh, you know, like we were saying earlier is that working for somebody else, right. You know, whether it's a large company of 2000 5,000 people, or, you know, like a 50 person unit, you know, you're still serving at the leisure of, of the, you know, of the person in charge, right. Or of the investors. Right. And you're really just a number to them. So yeah. what would happen is that I would, you know, go into these and, you know, I know I was making the money, right? I knew I was, you know, by closing these deals and these were not just, you know, thousand dollar deals, you know, these were, you know, six, uh, five, six figure contracts. And I was just like, wait a second, like, why, why can't I do something like this? Right. And, you know, it, and it just starts to, it, you know, just, it, it starts like a worm in your head, mm -hmm. right? Or it's just where it's like, well, you know, some people are getting $50,000 to build a website. Why can't I? Right. And it really all comes down to your presentation, right? It comes down, you know, if you come in saying, oh yeah, you, 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 if you come in with the same approach as your, as your sister's boyfriend's brother, you know, that also says that he can build a website, you know, for $500 or whatever it is, you know, it's like, that's, you know, that's not interesting. Right. But if you come in, you know, with a really good corporate, uh, you know, with a, you know, with some of the training that you've received in corporate on how to make a presentation and how to, how to demonstrate value and things like that. A lot of those, a lot of those skills translate over very nicely to when you're freelancing, right? Because you do want to, you do want to portray a, a professional, a, a professional demeanor as your, you know, as you're selling your stuff as well. And how did you then evolve the business from, the web stuff to the other to becoming full service. What was the path for that? The path for that was, um, I would say after I started doing maybe like, uh, like four or five websites and you know, the, you know, the first deposit check and the final check, you know, they're nice. Right. But then you have to go into sales mode again. You have to like go find more clients and you have to do this. And what was happening, you know, concurrently was that Google was taking off, right? Both on the paid side and the organic side. So search engine optimization became the keyword, you know, that everyone needed. And good SEO is not just, uh, you know, stuffing keywords on a page and, you know, things like that. You have to build backlinks. You're going to build, uh, you know, you have to build great content. And I'm like, well, I can do that. Like I have access to people that can write great content. I have access to people that can, uh, you know, that can build backlinks. So, you know, I go back to, you know, I go back to up to Upwork and I start looking for more providers that can provide, you know, these types of services. And once I get their pricing, you know, multiply that by, you know, by three, and then, you know, that's what I upsell it to. And it's like, okay, you know, so, you know, you build it up little by little. And what I found was that it's, it's, it's not necessarily easy to sell those services, right? So I'm not a paint as, you know, as all roses and, you know, it's all great. You're going to make a million dollars. But what does happen is that if you can, if you can talk about it, you know, with a certain level of confidence by, you know, you know, chin up, shoulders back, you know, with a smile in your voice and, you know, and still talk about how you are going to get this done for the client. That's really what they want to hear. And, they will, you know, they will trust you if you're convincing enough. And what will happen after that is, okay, you know, once they give you that check to get started, then it's on, right? Then it's, then it's something that you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you got to deliver, you know, now you start to sweat and, you know, that's really the fun part, right? Is getting that information, you know, like, uh, you know, like getting that initial rush of, you know, landing the, landing the job and then the, oh shit, how the hell am I going to implement this? So yeah. you better have some good people behind you to help how you out you, with that. Yeah. So on that note, how do you go about 
finding the good people on the on the on the place like Upwork and Fiverr and that kind of stuff because there's so many freelancers on those platforms now that I find you know if you put in a you go try looking for somebody to do writing or I don't know any particular task there's normally there's so many people how do you go about filtering that down in the first place to to a short list I suppose Sure. So uh, first of all, it starts with, uh, you know, with me providing a spec of my needs, right? So I'm writing the whole plan, you know, and it takes me a long time to put these together, right? I'm looking for a person with X, Y, and Z, you know, knowledge with, uh, you know, and it's not just, you know, the difference between someone with three years of experience versus seven years of experience. It's not really about that. You know, maybe you can ask like specific questions in the, you know, in the proposal, like, uh, you know, how would you solve a a, um, you know, X problem. And, but what I mean by X problem is, you know, say for example, it's a problem that you had before that you know how it would be solved. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you ask them, you know, for a quick explanation of how they would solve it. And every once in a while you'll get, uh, you know, most people will give you, Oh yeah, well, we'll implement the, you know, with the gobbledygook speak and, you know, just, and then you know that they're BSing you, right. Then you know that it's like, all right, yeah, that's not a real answer. And then the ones that take the time to really, you know, the, the, to really answer the question, the ones that answer it articulately, you, you learn to parse that out, right? You, you learn to, to parse out their boilerplate answers. I've even found that, and I'm not sure if this happens much anymore, but, uh, you know, back in the day, I used to get the same answers from like three or four different companies, right? With the same broken English, with the same spelling mistakes in the same places, but it would be from like three or four different providers. And I'd be like, and one time I, you know, I hired them. Yeah, it was, it was for a small project, but I hired them just for the opportunity to ask him, like, how come you answered the same thing on the other two, you know, uh, on the other two jobs? And he's like, yeah, well, that's how we work here. You know, we, you know, everyone just posts on, a, on each other's, uh, on each other's uh, uh, proposals and it becomes a numbers game. Okay. You know, it becomes a numbers game. Right. And um, what I'm looking for afterwards is, you know, how articulately they answer back, how fast they answer back, you know, things like that. So I found one guy that I would give him something to do in my afternoon and then my next morning, it would be done consistently. And then when, uh, you know, I went through a period where I wasn't doing so many, so many uh, web projects, but I still needed him on, you know, I was just like, look, I'm going to set you up with a retainer. You charge me whether I, you know, whether you do actual work for me or not, but I need you to stay on the team. And that relationship has worked out great to this day. That's, that's, that's impressive. Have you had any challenges with finding people? Um, it's always a challenge, you know, HR happens. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, for me, personality is really important, right? And it's real important, you know, on, uh, you know, for every stage, you know, not just the web programmers, you know, but for the content writers, for the graphics people, right? I mean, being able to tell people, you know, what it is that you want and have them, you know, deliver, you know, quality work back, you know, that's not, it's not automatic, Right. You do need to, uh, you know, you do need to test it out. You do need to articulate, you know, like, you know, what works for you, what doesn't like, I know some of the subjects for the clients that I work with, you know, sometimes they're not as savory, right? Like one of the clients I work with has a medical marijuana portal. Right. And you'd be surprised how many people are like, Oh no, I'm against medical marijuana. I don't want to write for that. And it's like, all right, well, uh, you know, but, you know, you got to ask these questions, right? And what happens is that, that a lot of people don't think about, to be honest, though, that's a good point, because there will be topics that people aren't, don't want to engage with. So you might have a reliable team and then a job comes up where you got to find new people because just because of the topic. Exactly. Yeah. So um, one of the things I try to stay away from is being dependent on just one provider. Mm. Right. And, you know, it takes a little bit of scale to get to that point where you're not just dealing with one person, but, you know, you need to have a plan B, you need to have a plan C in place because your client, you know, when they ask you to update a website or to update a blog or, you know, whatever it is, you know, they're not going to care that, uh, you know, oh, please give me another week because I have to go to Upwork to find somebody new. They're not going to care about that. They don't want to know about that. They hired you. Yeah, they just want right. the result, right? They don't. They want the result, so it's up to me to find it, right? And it's important to have, you know, like those connections. 
in place, those relationships in place. And some people are just fine being called on every once in a while. Others are looking for full-time work. Others are working for part-time work. It's just really, you know, sort of figuring out what it is that the, I, you know, what it is that they're looking for and then being able to, you know, being able to pick and choose these people at will. What's the effect been on your own life of being able to run this business now? It's been great. So (laughs) I I think that the, um, you know, first and foremost, um, it's incredibly, it's incredibly liberating to be able to, um, you know, not have to ask the ball, you know, ask for vacation time off, right. Or ask for, you know, like, you you know, like to ask permission from anybody, you know, it's like, I, I, I govern my own time. Right. And then when I started realizing that I didn't need to be physically here, right. And my kids enough that I could go away for, you know, a week or two weeks, you know, for, you know, for whatever reason, then I started traveling. Right. And um, at one point, well, this was last year, last year, I filled up my passport every Every page had a stamp on it, and that was a really uh, that was a really big accomplishment for me, right? You're able to just you can you can now log in and do what you need to do from from anywhere as long as you've got a connection, right? Exactly. So, what are some of the ways that I do it? Uh, first of all, I have a subscription to WeWork, right? So there's like five or six WeWork offices in Miami, and usually it helps if other these other cities that I travel to have WeWorks as well right? Because then it's literally show your card, sit down, open up the computer. You don't even need to ask for what the Wi-Fi password is. It's already configured for you, right? That has been a complete game changer for me. There's another big competitor uh, uh, called Spaces, which, which is, I would say, a little bit more professional, if you will. But they also have a wide enough, uh, wide enough reach with offices in every place that I, would, uh, that I would go to. So I have subscriptions to both of them, right? And what would happen is, uh, I'll give you an example. Last year, I went with, uh, I, I flew with my wife because she had a, she had a one-week course at the London School of Economics, right? So she was going to be in London. I'm like, well, I want to go to London, right? So I joined her and, you know, she went to her class and I went to the WeWork that was down the street. And, uh, you know, it's gotten to the point where I don't tell my clients anymore. Oh no, I'm going away for a week. Don't call me. No, call me all you want. Right. You know, like, uh, so T-Mobile, the, you know, one of the larger mm-hmm. um, cell phone providers here, they, they have a plan where the roaming is free or, or very, very cheap, you know, wherever you are in the world. So I have that plan, right. I have a dual SIM phone, right. The, the one SIM and the, you know, in the regular SIM card. So if I really need fast internet, I can just go and get a prepaid card from wherever. Right. And it really just comes down to, you know, it doesn't matter where I am physically. Right. My iPhone is still connected. My iPad is still connected. My laptop is still connected. I would just go to these, you know, I would just go to these different offices, log in, do what I need to do. And, you know, there's something very invigorating you know, even if it's just doing the same work, but from a different latitude, you know, mm. just looking out the window and seeing those big double-decker red buses go by, right? <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't see that here, right? No. And it's just, um, you know, it's, 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 it, it really gets your creative juices going. You start hearing different languages, different accents, and it's just very, you know, it, it just really wakes you up. It sounds and that's what, I, and that's what I love about the job, right? Is that yeah. I'm able to go ahead and do that. And not lose a beat. And I think you know, I, the digital mo- nomadism is becoming super popular now. There's lots of co-working, co-living spaces all over the world, and quite a big community that kind of interact with each other and support each other. And I can definitely see this becoming more of a or more of a a mainstream approach to careers going forwards. You know, particularly with all of the the COVID stuff going on. I, you know, I think, um, so first of all, the answer is yeah. You know, it's it's definitely coming into that. The tools that we are using are maturing to the point where it simply doesn't matter where you are in the world. The only thing that matters is, you know, if I go out for dinner with somebody in London, you know, I just I, I would just tell them like, hey, I'm still working US hours. Mm-hmm. If the phone rings, I need to answer it. I'm not being rude, right? 
and you know it's like i think most people are very you know are agreeable to that you know it's like the, uh, that you're able to take you know the you know that liberty to do it from wherever and just not you know not miss a beat and that is like truly you know it's a true lifestyle design at that point and how and and how have you gone about finding the 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 clients for your business clients have been um have been word of mouth have been um and also working with different uh you know working different facebook groups linkedin groups i do a fair amount of uh of prospecting on uh, on linkedin as well and basically what it is is that um you know you can sort of segment this into you know what kind of clients do i want to work with right now do i want to do lead gen for doctors or do i want to do lead gen for you know for other types of businesses right so really what i'm looking for here is trying to, you know, find a niche or find a way to create the, you know, to create the environment that I'm able to scale up. So say, for example, if I know that my content writers are not that busy right now, so I'll go out and look for more content type, mm -hmm. um, you know, clients in order to fill up that backlog. Um, or if I'm, uh, you know, or if I'm, uh, you know, a little weak on the, on the website design, you know, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll be more agreeable to, to taking on a new website client, things like that. That makes sense. So I think you covered a lot of good stuff. If you would, could summarize for anybody who was thinking about following in your footsteps and, and setting up for themselves and, and, and following a similar model to you, what would be the key things for people to consider or principles and, and things just to bear in mind to set them up for the best success? I think for the most part, um, location does not matter at this point. I don't care if you're in, you know, you know, somewhere in deep Eastern Europe or if you're in, uh, you know, Western Europe or, or the U S it really comes down to mindset right? It really comes down to, okay, you know, like I'm ready to do this, right? At some point, somebody is going to pay you what you're worth, but you have to be able to make an offer, right? You have to be able to articulate what it is that you're going to do and, and ensure that the, that whatever it is you're offering has more value than what it is that they're paying for, right? Because that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you, you, so, Anyone can do that, even people that don't speak English that well, even people that don't, uh, you know, that maybe don't, you know, have a face for radio, right? You know, it's like you don't necessarily need to put yourself out there in a way that's, that's necessarily uncomfortable. I would say that at least get your feet wet with, uh, you know, with do, doing projects like on your off time, like when you're not at work. And if you happen to be blessed where you can go into work and still sort of, you know, um, work on this stuff. I mean, you know, anyone can answer an email in the bathroom, right? You know, it's like, it, it's that, it's, it's that prevalent right now. People don't need to know necessarily where you are physically in the world or mentally in your, you know, where your mindset is, as long as you're putting stuff out there you're able to, you're able to convey that, okay, I'm, you know, I am a service provider and these are the customers I'm looking to serve. Right. And, and that's really the biggest part of, uh, you know, starting to put that, uh, you know, that, uh, let's just call it a menu of services together. Mm -hmm. And probably, uh, prepare for that change, right. Cause I'd imagine it's you know in the early stages in particular when you you're, you're you've now got multiple clients in the early stages you're only going to have a few and you need to account for the potential ups and downs and peaks and troughs of going it alone right exactly I th I think that you need to ensure that um, you know you're okay with handling risk mm -hmm. right and and whatever the, your definition or what risk presents to you at that at that particular time right. Um, I just feel that the way that you would go about, um, you know, handling 10 clients versus one client, which is your job, right. You know, it's, it, it's a different mindset, right. You have to juggle a lot more things you have to think about. Sometimes you have to do some of the bitch work that's, uh, that's involved with it. You know, every once in a while, you know, like I'm not above, I'm not above doing data entry, right. Or, or like fixing like 50 photos or whatever, if it needs to be done right yeah that's important you you're gonna have to 
do a lot of the the manual work for yourself particularly you know for for quite a long time i'd imagine right um yeah i mean it really just depends on what kind of team you put together on the you know the service that you're you know the services that you're planning on offering right but you know keep in mind you know you're it's not always going to be so glamorous right and um you I need think to... that's the problem with digital nomadism, isn't it? Like the normal um, picture is somebody laying in a hammock with their working on their laptop, and <laughs> it's not necessarily the case. I mean, you get to travel around, you get to see some really cool places, but work is still work. At the end of the day, you're not gonna, you can't really spend most of your time in a hammock. I, I, you know what happened? I I took two weeks and I went to, uh, you know, I went to Thailand, and I worked for a couple of days from a uh, co-working space in Bangkok. And yeah, that was nice. But you know, so like afterwards you can, you know, go out and, you know, try out the street food and get the foot massages and, you know, all that neat stuff. Right. And then I went to, you know, a beach location. I was there for a week. And so I'm a scuba diver. Right. And what I would do there is, uh, you know, I would do all the morning dives. So I would be done by like 10, 30, 11 in the morning. And then I would just go and hang out in the, you know, like the cafeteria or the restaurant and get more work you know, and get more work done. So yeah, um, work is work. It does actually need to happen. But you know, if you can, you know, if you can do that while looking and listening to waves and seeing mountains and, you know, different, uh, you know, different, uh, um, you know, different things go by, it becomes more enjoyable, right? You, you know, you really feel that you really feel that I am so blessed to be here and still be able to produce an income to support what it is, you know, my dive for tomorrow. Right. And that's just the best feeling. It's yeah. It's a hell of a lot more freeing. And I think fulfilling, I think that's what, you know, one of the things that we're all searching for more of is, is fulfillment and the sense of having choice and, and freedom. And so to be able to generate income, detach that income from being in a particular location at a particular time, I think, it's going to be a, I can see it being a, a, a big way forward for, for lots of people. I, it is intoxicating. I can tell you that it's, <laughs> it's very intoxicating to do that because no, because think about it, you know, like, uh, you, you know, let's say for example, you have family that lives, you know, in another country, right. And you want to, you want to start to be closer to them or you want to, or you just have this wanderlust, right. I mean, like it's, it's all there. I mean, you can go to some really backwards places and they'll have great internet. Right. And that's really what you need right? In order to get it done, right? So uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Cuba, for example, Cuba is a 45 minute flight from here, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a world away in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of architecture and development and things like that. Even now they have, you know, fast enough internet that, you know, I could actually go and check my email up, upload to Instagram and, you know, and, uh, you know, basically check in and do whatever it is I need, I need to have done. Right. And that's just something that's really close. Right. So imagine if you, you know, the, for the 12 hour plane rides, you know, that take you to Southeast Asia and, you know, all those places. I, um, two years ago, I took my, I took my kids to Hong Kong and Japan. And when I travel with my kids, you know, I just remind them and they know that, you know, I'm still on the clock. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, we were walking around the cent the central area in Hong Kong and I get this email saying, Hey, Jeff, I really need you to sign this contract right? It's something I needed to sign. I'm like, great. I'm in Hong Kong. Now what do I do? Ah, there's a WeWork, right? So we duck into a WeWork and we ended up spending like three, four hours there simply because it was air conditioned. There was free water, you know, free drinks. And, um, you know, it was a, just a great hub to connect with, uh, you know, with other people. Right. And, you know, like the, you know, my wife and my kids, you know, like everyone, you know, they understand like, you know, like if, if work comes up, then work comes up, you, you figure out how to do it. Um, while I was there, it was a solid 12 hour time difference. I was working at, uh, you know, two, three, four in the morning in order to, in order to answer whatever emails or whatever needed to be answered. But after that, I was fully present in everything else that we were doing while we were there. And it was great. And Do you find a way inspiring. to batch up some of your stuff? So you like maybe just a book, right. I'm going to get up and for a couple of hours or something, do some emails in the middle of the night and then go back to sleep rather than yeah. try be on the lookout all the time. Right. Well, I mean, you know, again, everyone's carrying, uh, you know, a, a late model cell phone in their pocket. So, you know, you can, when you're taking a bus, you can, you know, sort of check in that way. And I think, 
you know, just more to the point, you know, it's like you can be like, you can do this, right? You don't necessarily need to need to be in full mode, right? You know, it's like, um, I think I took my first real vacation, like, uh, like a year ago, we went to the beaches in uh, Brazil. And, you know, my biggest, my biggest question is, well, was there going to be internet there? Was there going to be internet there? Was there going to be internet there? And they're all like, you know, Jeff, calm down. There's going to be internet. It's all good. Right. And basically what I would do is, you know, get up in the morning, check in, you know, make sure everything's taken care of and then go to the beach and, you know, spend four or five hours, you know, with family and friends and, you know, come back, check a little bit more email. Like it's all good. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all, you know, like people understand, like they don't need to know where you are and how you're doing. I mean, if you establish yourself that way, right. If you're, if you're one of those people that tells people, yeah, call me anytime, you know, maybe it may be a little bit harder for you to, you know, to, uh, to manage something like that. But for the most part, you know, we're all having asynchronous communications anyways, right. You know, between a WhatsApp message or a Slack message or an email, that's not something that requires a conversation. Exactly. Right. Someone asks you a question on email, it's acceptable to answer them two, three, four hours later if it's not urgent. Yeah. Right. So that works. And I intend to milk that. So <laughs> it sounds like you've created a, a, an incredible lifestyle for yourself and getting spent to more get to spend more time with the, the family as well, right? That's yeah, that's uh, that's really the big win, right? Is that I'm able to I'm able to be present and uh, you, you know, take advantage. Um, what was it? Six months ago, this was November-ish 2019. I took my daughter to Paris, right? Mm -hmm. And it was nice because, you know, like you, you have the overnight flight, you know, as we're taking the subway into town, I'm, uh, you know, I'm checking emails, making sure nothing broke, no emergencies. And after that, it was like, okay, yeah, what are we going to do first? Right. And, you know, again, you know, like the, uh, you know, my kids understand that, like they understand that, you know, I'm still working, uh, but this is how I'm able to take them, you know, to these places. And it's great. You know, it's like, you know, and also they need their downtime too. They need to catch up on TikTok and Instagram. They need to, you know, they can't just see all old buildings and, you know, great landmarks and all that. Yeah, they, all the want they need to sit down. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, I'd say after like four days in Paris, yeah, I wore her out. You know, so I think think by the last night, she was just like, Dad, can we just go get sushi? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, just go get sushi. And that was it. I walked around a little bit more. She stayed in the apartment and, you know, and watched some more Netflix and it was all good. Amazing. Mate, it's, it's, it's a great freedom. And I think, uh, like I say, I can see more people taking this up. Before we let people know where they can find more, find out more about you and, and, and track you down, Got a few questions for you, my standard sure. questions to see where you get to on this. So this will be an interesting one. Do you have a morning routine of any sort? And if you do, what does it look like? Oh dear, morning routine. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's uh, more or less, uh, um, now we, uh, we've established uh, having breakfast together, my wife and I. So that's been, uh, that's been new. We started that about, uh, about a year ago. So, you know, we do that pretty consistently. Um, we try to, we try to keep technology to a minimum, at least when we're at the table. But then after that, you know, we both just, you know, work our eight to 10 hours nice. and do that and do that. Yeah. So there isn't anything really set, but it, it, it does revolve around, okay, what needs to be done today? Because we both lead very busy lives. Mm -hmm. I like the, uh, I like the idea of having that time together first thing in the morning though. That's a good job. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, three books you'd recommend and why? This is always the challenging one. Trying to get down to three is difficult, but well, actually, I, I got the, I got the easy answer. So, um, if any of you are into uh, sales funnels, right, then you probably heard about this guy named uh, Russell Brunson. I was going to get. Are they good? These books. They're they're uh, they're amazing. They um, they really break down the concepts of what needs to happen and like the psychology of why it works. So there's dot-com secrets, expert secrets. And then the latest one that came out is traffic secrets, mm. right? And they really break it down in an easy way to let, you know, the, to, uh, to make you understand like, like, yeah, this is actually how it works, right? This is, you know, this is the psychology behind it. 
this is, um, you, and, and this is why it works. And when you try them, you know, when you implement them and, you know, not everything you're going to be necessarily comfortable with at the first time. Like if you're an introvert and then having to write a bunch of Instagram posts, you know, doing a little bit of self promotion, that's, you know, that's a, you know, that's navigating outside of your comfort zone. Right. And, uh, what these books do is that they sort of help, you know, they just guide you into, you know, just, you know, just trust me, try it this way, you know, get it done. There are, you know, there are a lot of great, there are a lot of great stories and a lot of great, um, you know, actionable items that you can take out of these books. I was going to, yeah, I've been, I've seen, I've seen Russell promote those and I was, I've never found, I haven't spoken to anybody until now that had actually read them. So I've kind of been waiting to find out and see if I can see someone who gives them recommendations. So now they're on my list. Um, three people, that you would either you either follow or listen to um, that you recommend me or anybody else check out. Sure. So there's this uh, there's this one podcast. Um, uh, it's called Momentum by Alex Sharfin C H A R F I N. He's got a really great um, he's got this really great podcast where he talks about the internal workings of his uh, you know of his mastermind of his agency and what happens is, uh, you know, he gets really honest about it, you know, like, you know, here's the issue that I had, and this is how I corrected it. Right. And what happens is that, at least what I've noticed is that um, people, you know, bigger companies have the same types of problems that smaller companies have, right, Mm -hmm. whether they lose a key person, or they need to hire for a specific skill, you know, they really need you know, these things happen both, you know, if I'm just a small freelancer with one or two people around me, or if I'm building a 50 person uh, company or a thousand person company, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, strategies and issues that pop up are very common across all of these different agents, uh, uh, across all of these different, uh, you know, businesses. And it's very refreshing to hear that, you know, from someone say, for example, who's much further along than I am you know, in business and to just hear that, yeah, he had to fire his project manager too. <laughs> you know, it's like, great. You know, who would have thought that, you know, not everyone is infallible. So that would be one. Um, there's this, uh, there's this one guy who started out, uh, who, who started out this great uh, product called Poddex. His name is Travis Brown. And what he did is that he created these, uh, he created this little deck of cards that um, like this one's called the interview deck, right? And what happens is that it's just got a bunch of, uh, it's just got a bunch of, of questions that you can use on a podcast, right? The, let's just pull out one random. Which living person do you most despise, right? And you know, you could talk about that, right? Or what is your greatest regret, right? Or, um, you know, pull out a one when you die, what do you want to be remembered for? Right. So, you know, like great question. And it, and it's a, yeah. yeah. And it's a really great, um, you know, prompt, you know, for, you know, to help you create a, uh, you know, to help you create a podcast or, you know, or some, or a video cast like this, you know, that isn't boring because you're, you're always asking something, you're always asking something a little bit more, you know, like a little bit more in depth, not just the standard of, you know, why do you like what you do? Yeah. Right. A bit so. more left field. One more. One more, huh? Oh, let's look at the books. Let's look at the books. So uh, another guy I interviewed for my podcast, his name is Stephen Hoffman. He wrote the book, Make Elephants Fly. And what's cool is that um, he's, a, he's an angel investor based in, uh, uh, based in, San Fran- in the San Francisco area. And what's really interesting, is, you know, with my conversation with him is that you have um, the the things you need to think about as a startup founder, right, are also really not that different than you know whether you're just going to go into the services industry and create uh, you know create a product, whether you're just going to do paid ads for somebody, mm-hmm. or whether you're going to create this totally new this this totally new product, right? And w- what happens is that especially in the book. He talks about, you know, how you should approach, you know, that taking a product or a process and innovating it, right? And it's really cool. You know, it's, it's really cool to think about that 
the same thing that some of the products and services that we use on a daily basis, like why is Facebook so pervasive or Instagram so pervasive is, you know, because it's, it's so personalized, you know, to, you know, to me where my Instagram looks a lot different than yours, which looks a lot different than my daughter's where, where they really touched on, you know, how to make a product like that great and individualized and to serve a purpose for so many people at scale. And that's really, you know, the whole idea of building things at scale is, uh, at least for me, endlessly fascinating. Yeah, it blows my mind. I think you can, and you, Facebook in particular, anything like that, the absolute, the size of that monster, the infrastructure that sits behind it, um, how they're able to, like you just said, uh, personalize it globally for, what is it, two and a half billion people or something that now log into Facebook? It's, uh, it's nuts. You know, so the you know, so the, the the joke I tell people when I try to explain how to do uh, paid ads on Facebook is that I can find, you know, single moms, you know, with toddlers um, in Sandusky, Ohio, that were born in Columbia, right? I'll find all seven of them. <laughs> Facebook will help me find them, and it's like you know, you can get that targeted you can't get that niche into it and and it really comes down to you know knowing your audience knowing you know what you know what makes their um you know for let's just say you're targeting single moms right mm -hmm. you need to have a message that then can really you know can trigger them into into clicking on your ad right whether it's a video or whether it's a lead magnet or you know some kind of post right if you're going to put money behind it you know, you can reach those people. You just have to know how to talk to them. That's, yeah, that's, that's key. I think probably another opportunity for another conversation around how do you actually get, get through to the, get through to your ideal customer as, as they're often referred to. Um, That'll be another hour conversation. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, we will definitely <laughs> book that one in. Um, so three habits or disciplines that you've adopted um, that you think have made a big difference to your life three habits or disciplines. Um, so I use a task manager called things. Uh, it's, a spe it's, it's for the Mac platform, but what I do is it's not just a to-do list manager. I mean, it, it does that, right. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the main reason why I'm on it is because most to-do managers, if you put a task in and you say it needs to be done by today, right. And you know, anything can happen. You don't get it done by today. Then they start nagging you. It's one day late, two days late, three days late, 10 days late, 100 days late, right? Whatever happens. The big selling thing for me on things is that the today just carries over to the next day, right? So right now in, right now in, my, th in my things list, it just says a bunch of things to, to today. It doesn't matter that I put the task in a month ago, two months ago, right? So um, what I do there is I also break apart the into a number of different categories. One is action this day, which I learned last year when I was in uh, when I was in London. Another one is important and urgent, and less than ten minute items, right? So, anything that comes into my head that I know that I need to do, I need to segregate it into one of those three buckets. And what it does is it just creates a nice map of the types of um, you know the types of tasks that I need to work on. So, action this day and important and urgent; those are things that I need to do. In less than 10 minute items, let's just say, you know, like right now I have another call in, you know, in 45 minutes, right? So I can't really start a big project thing, but I could start knocking out some of these, uh, you know, less than 10 minute item things to knock that down, right? So that would be one way to do it. Um, the other big thing that I'm a big proponent of is creating a standard operating procedure for everything that you do. And that's, it could be as simple as doing a video walkthrough of you doing something and then being able to pass it off to somebody else, actually run up a document, right? But there should be a set procedure for, for whatever it is that you're doing. So, um, you know, like a, a standard operating procedure for me for a blog post for a particular client would be, I need 700 words. Uh, it's got to have a intro paragraph an ending paragraph. And it's also got to have a, you know, a meta description, you know, like a summary that can go into social media. Um, needs a, we need to find a stock photo that's rectangular, right? So there's this whole checklist of things that I need to, that I need to produce, you know, like on a, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis for each client. Right. So, when I have a standard operating procedure, I'm able to just give it to the new writer and say, 
mm-hmm. here, do this. And they go ahead and they do it, right? Because they know exactly what's expected of them. They know they need to go out and find a relevant uh, stock photo. They, you know, I even tell them, here's where you find it. Don't just do a Google image search. I need you to get it from Adobe stock mm-hmm. so that I don't get into any licensing issues. And then, you know, and the more you do that with everything in your business, right? The more you're able to scale, right? Because then you're able to start passing some of this off to other able-bodied people so that you can go back to what it is that you're, that you're best at, which is, which is probably selling and bringing in more business. Good, uh, good answer. I think um, spending that time up front, the investment in the time up front will save you a shed load of time in the back end trying to correct stuff or the way you haven't given that clear guidance you know it um also you know like maybe you need to write out the first ones but once you train your staff on how to you know on what's expected of them mm-hmm. let them update it like a, a standard operating procedure is never really set in stone right like what happens if you change the you know the social media sc- scheduler from social champ to buffer right you know the does it all need to change yeah so you make a few you know so you change a few sc- to tell you where to load this stuff up, right? But it, but at least it keeps everyone honest, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the the third thing I use a I use a project management tool called Teamwork, and um, you know basically my philosophy there is I don't care whether you're across the street or halfway around the world, you're remote to me, right? You are, you know you. You and I are not going to see each other, you know, every half an hour at the water cooler or you know or having lunch together, whatever it is. So I need to make sure that those communications are, are up and available for everyone to look at, right? So any task that gets, uh, you know, that gets put in or any comment, you know, is visible to everyone on the team. So everyone can see where things are because a lot of times, you know, there are different touch points. I need to review something. The content writer needs, a, needs to write something about it. The social media person needs to, uh, you know, write the social on it and the, you know, the paid ads guy you know, maybe we'll want to boost that post, you know, so he'll want to see the original files on how that's, you know, and how that post was created, mm-hmm. right? So by putting all of this into a project management tool that everyone can see, it really helps in, you know, in, in, in segregating out the tasks and getting people to, and getting people to, uh, you know, to actually get it done. I like that. And I think, these two tend to can sometimes overlap and I think this question will overlap. So three uh, tools or systems, apps, softwares, I think you covered two of them already unless there's another. Yeah, I covered two of them. <laughs> um, that you use or couldn't live without and why? Um, so what would be the third tool that I couldn't live without? I would have to, this may sound a little cliche, but it would have to be my laptop. And I'm not just saying that, you know, just to fanboy but you do need a powerful laptop that will last you right and uh what happens is that they're just uh you know they're just much easier to use they last longer right Mm. and once you uh you know like and especially when you travel with one it uh you know it almost becomes a standard especially when you start using the other stuff in the ecosystem like the ipad and the and the iphone and the apple watch like everything you know, just, you know, just sort of works and coalesces together. And that's, you know, I, I would call that one of my essential tools. That makes sense. Last question. If you could spend an hour with anybody dead or alive, who would that one person be? Any person dead or alive. Oh dear. I wasn't prepared for this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, any person dead or alive, you know, something, uh, uh, you know, th- uh, this year, as you can see, I've been fanboying on uh, on Russell Brunson, so I would like to spend an hour with him and you know and pick his brain, especially after especially after how prolific he's been, you know, with this ClickFunnels community. I went to their I went to their conference a year and a half ago. You know, I'm, I um, I you know I really you know take to heart what it is that they're you know that they're building. You know, I appreciate it. He has a lot to sell. He seems very genuine, and that's you know, that's really important for me. So I would go with that. Yeah, he's done an Im- impressive job in a very short space of time. ClickFunnels has uh, taken off. Exactly. Taken over more than taken off, I would say. <laughs> it's uh, been very successful. Um, we are out of time. So where can people find you, Jeff? 
Sure. So the main company that uh, you would probably look for is Effectivo, which is just effective, but with a no, like in Spanish, dot uh, social. Uh, that, you know, that's where we have our value-based, uh, you know, uh, uh, social um, uh, products, but also you can find me at jeffmendelson.com, J-E-F-F-M-E-N-D-E-L-S-O-N.com. And that's also where I have my podcast, The One Big Tip. And, uh, you can learn a little bit more about me there. You have my bio and, uh, some of the other services that we provide. Awesome. Well, we're going to book in that follow-up. Uh, and uh, talk about how do people find their their ideal customer i think that'd be a good good conversation but uh until then talking about that yeah, it's a good topic i think um and something that's you know a lot of people benefit from 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 understanding more about i think from every business needs to uh better understand their ideal customer so i think a hot topic but um until then jeff thank you very much for giving up your time uh, this really has been a lot it. of fun and we'll speak thank again you so much. You got it. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely. Cheers, Jeff.